Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And once again, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us. Pastor Eric Jay here from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska, who we are so thankful to for sponsoring this program. Welcome aboard, everybody. It is now officially November. It is. Can you and, believe it? And isn't today the last in our series? It is the last episode in our series, People of the Book, looking at uh, prominent people in Scripture. Um, we probably missed a few. <laughs> it's, it's definitely an express version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did. Uh, we did God. We started with God because mm-hmm. uh, He is a person, and we talked about that at length. Uh, and then we also, from there, went on to Adam and Eve, and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, kind of looking at them as a group. Uh, and then Moses, King Saul, David, Samuel for the prophets, Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, Elizabeth, John the Baptist, all in one episode. Yes. <laughs> that was a quick one. <laughs> and then uh, the call of the disciples, and then we looked at uh, Saul becoming Paul, uh, mainly looked at him as one of the apostles because of how much he wrote uh, in the New Testament, which remind me that... Uh, I need to say where we're going next. Yes, a transition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, last week we looked at Jesus. We took a whole 28 minutes to talk about Jesus Christ. And I think we covered next to nothing. Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But it was a good episode looking at Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise in the Garden of Eden from that very first sin that he would send a Savior. And now today we're going to talk about you listening, me, Chip, Jason, those who believe we're going to be talking about the church, uh, the people in the Bible of whom we have fellowship, the believers both here in the past and those in the future, uh, all united by faith in the body of Christ. So that's our final episode for today in the People of the Book series. We certainly hope that you have enjoyed it. Um, we did get some feedback from yeah, some listeners, which was just fantastic. Yeah, very, very um, good. So we're, we're glad to know there's at least a few people out there enjoying our Bible study. Uh, And we'd be remiss not to remind you, if you have questions or uh, thoughts you'd like to share about the Christian faith, the Bible, Jesus, we'd we'd love to hear it. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com and you can contact us there. Just say hello. Let us know you're listening. If you have a question or not, a comment or not, um, we, we certainly love hearing from those that are listening to our program. Well, and I think one of the coolest things that, uh, uh, one of our listeners shared with us is uh, she felt like uh, she was pulling up a, a fourth chair uh, mm-hmm. to the table yeah. and uh, having a discussion with us. And yeah. that was that was really cool. Well, that's our hope for everybody yeah. is uh, that you would pull up a chair. So do that, won't you? And grab your Bible while you're at it, because uh, we're going to be opening first to Matthew chapter 16 as we talk about the church. But 
I reminded myself. You didn't remind me, Chip. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, the transition <laughs> for uh, what are we doing next, Pastor? Yeah, now that we're ending this series, we are going to be looking at a book of the Bible. Uh, we've only done one so far, mm-hmm. the Gospel of John. Uh, that took us a good while to get through. It did. So we're going to go a little bit smaller here to start. We're going to look at the book of... Drumroll. Galatians. Awesome. Paul's first letter to the churches, uh, the book of Galatians. Um, a, a short letter, but uh, eternally deep. Yes, very So we're not of, promising yeah. it's going to go fast, uh, but we are promising that it's going to be enjoyable mm-hmm. and that we're going to grow in our faith studying the book of Galatians. Chip, while we get ready to go and talk about the church, why don't you pray for us? Lord God, in the pages of your book, you've revealed your saving word and your will that all would come to know your son, Jesus, our savior and our king, who is the firstborn of your new eternal kingdom. Lord, make us attentive to our desperate need to hear this saving word over and over, that we not become overwhelmed by the cares of this dying place we call our world. Help us be mindful that you've given us a new family, a family of fellow believers called the church, a community that can come together and share one another's burdens and joys, lifting our voices in unison to praise you, O Lord. Grant us willing hearts to meet, pray, and worship together, and to share our hope that is in you with everyone you place in our path. Your word is truth, Lord. Amen. 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 All right. Matthew chapter 16. I figured, hey, if we're going to talk about the church of Christ, why don't we start with what he said? (laughs) That's a brilliant plan. Um, Rather than uh, what anyone else says, certainly what the apostles say and um, what the Moses and the prophets said is good, but all of them point forward or point back to Jesus. And so I think one of the most quintessential texts that deals with the church of Christ, his church, uh, is when he references that in Matthew 16, and we're going to be starting in verse 13 about what it means to be in Christ's church. What is the church of Christ? How is it made up? How do you get in? How is it defined? So starting in verse 13 of Matthew 16, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you Say that I am. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, so on this rock, what's special about that rock? Yeah, for what's special about it, I guess, what is it? What's the rock he's talking about? Well, I think a clue to that was when uh, we celebrated Reformation Sunday and the the fact that the, the fathers of the church at that time, Martin Luther in particular, uh, it's, it's the confession. It's what, who do we confess that Jesus is? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the direct antecedent to what Jesus says on this rock, right? Mm-hmm. What is this rock? He, he's talking about something he's already mentioned. And what he most immediately mentioned was the fact that Simon Peter was blessed because of what he said. 
And what did Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one promised from of old, the Savior. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. That confession is the rock Jesus is talking about. Now, of course, there are some denominations within Christianity that that have concluded that Peter is the rock. Right, yep. And, and certainly, uh, Jesus renames Peter, Simon, into Peter, Petros, but, but he's not saying that Peter himself, as a man, is the foundation of the church. And I hope not, because things aren't going to go real well here for Peter. Absolutely. Right? He's going to deny his Lord three times. Him and the rest of the disciples are going to run away. So if the church is built on the faith of Peter, if the church is supposed to be built on any man other than Christ, that's hopeless. You might as well pack up shop and call it a day. No, it's built on the confession that Peter made. And why is it built on that confession? God himself gave it to Peter. Because as scripture would say in Corinthians 12, no one can confess that Jesus is the Christ except by the Holy Spirit of God. So if you confess Jesus to be the Christ, the son of the living God, that is hope, that is strength, that is a rock that can be built on because you did not come up with that conclusion intellectually. If you truly confess Jesus in your heart, which only God can see, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, as, as a church <clears throat> membership at St. Mark, you have to stand up in front of the church and confess that you believe what we believe, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true, right? We have this visible and invisible church we can talk about. Um, but if truly in your heart and soul you confess Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God, that faith and confession is your assurance of heaven because you don't make that confession by your own reason or strength, That is a revelation that can only be given by God himself. As Jesus told the Pharisees in John uh, 6, I believe it was, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. So if I come to Jesus, even though I may think I'm making a quote-unquote decision, that I'm deciding Jesus is Lord, uh, no, that may be what you think you're experiencing, but according to the word of God, that's not what's happening. God himself is drawing you to Christ and by the power of his word, putting the confession in your heart. That is how Jesus defines his church. That it is those who make the true confession about who Jesus is. Which tells you right up front, the church is not purely defined as any particular building Mm -hmm. or any particular ritual or any particular tradition. Christ himself says that he will build his church on the confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. This is probably a formality, um, but the son of the living God and what, what does the word living fit in there mean? I'm struggling with that. Yeah, that there is only one God of life. There is the living 
God, as opposed to idols, as opposed to all the other gods that are that are dead. I think of God, I don't question whether there's life there or not, so I don't know what the extra word to reiterate it meant. A, a proper way to understand and maybe translate this passage would be, you are the son of the God who gives life. I like that. Yeah, because yeah, when, and there's only one, right? Life has to have one source. That's whose son you are. We talk a lot about eternal life through Christ. Mm -hmm. They've come to understand he's not just a son of God. He's the son of the living God. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense now. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. So the church Jesus defines, to sum it up, the church is those who believe and confess Jesus to be the Christ, the son of the living God, which means, as I was saying earlier, that when we get to heaven, the true church, those who really believe, you got to keep in mind that Jesus said, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord. There are many liars, deceivers who who will call themselves Christians and aren't. We, we all have examples of that in our head. Um, they, they may even be in our churches today. I mean, think about Judas, right? Even all the way up to the last the 12, supper, right? when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, none of the disciples went, oh, it's definitely Judas. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they had no idea. If you would have asked them, is any one of you not a true follower of Jesus? They would have said, no, we're, clearly we're all followers. So there is a distinction between the visible church and the true invisible church that only God can see now and that we will see when we're with him. Um, that church is going to include people that we don't expect, that aren't like us. There's a lot that can be different between churches. But what can't be different is the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is what primarily and foundationally defines who truly is the church, so says Christ. Now, of course, it doesn't just stop there, right? Because if you're going to say he's the Messiah, the Savior, you're going to pay real close attention to everything else he says. Mm -hmm. So if you mean that confession, you're not going to cherry pick his sayings and his truths and pick the ones that are just convenient. So there may be a church that says Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, but it's okay to do these things that Jesus clearly says is wrong because we're going to come up with cultural or, or societal excuses as to why it's okay. No, that's just paying lip service that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. So it's not just those words that Jesus is talking about. It's, as he would say in John 8, abiding in his word, all of it. And that's really what we see when the church first takes birth in Acts chapter 2. If you want to turn there now. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And this is the first description we get in the book of Acts from post-Jesus' ascension, post-Pentecost, of what the church looks like, what a church that confesses Christ does. In verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So right off the bat, what are the things that the church is doing? I mean, you have to think about that last verse. The Lord was adding thousands to this church. So they must have been doing something right. So what was this church doing? They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which includes, of course, teachings of the Old Testament and the Scriptures, not just their new teaching, to the fellowship. What is fellowship? Like what we're doing right now. Yeah. Not just hearing the word, but having true koinonia to having true family relationships, living in the word together. And that's later emphasized by day by day in their homes. You see, that's so different than how we think about church in America. Absolutely. It's, it's so foreign to us, but it shouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. And this church has thousands of people in it. This is a way of life, not just a checkbox, not just something I do to fulfill my religious duty, and I'm, I'm a Christian, so I guess I have to go to church. No, this, this is fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's what the true church of Christ does. It doesn't just say, Jesus is Lord. Okay, and what does that mean? You've probably all heard people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Right. Well, yes, technically, I guess that's true. You don't have to. You can't tell me you've read your Bible and have come to the conclusion that if Jesus was here walking the planet and you were following him, where do you think you'd be every Sunday? Probably in church. Probably in church. That's where he was. <laughs> yeah, Luke tells us in his gospel, it was, it was the regular habit of Jesus to do this. And he probably didn't only pray on Sundays or only read the, the Torah on Sundays, only have fellowship with his disciples on Sundays. And, and this is a foreign concept to us. And it's not that we have to invest X amount of time in a church as the church to be saved. But I think if we truly understand what God has made available to us now, we're only leaving cards on the table if if we treat church as just something I have to do to, to prove that I'm a Christian. No, I think if you are truly a member of Christ Church, outside of what you have to do to earn a living, raise your family, at least for the believers in Acts, the rest was their life in church. Right. Well, their their life, as it should be, centered around church because uh, it's centered around their Lord, their King. And the people that share their confession, mm-hmm. right, and caring for one another. I mean, I've, I've said this I don't know how many times. If, if just one congregation would say, look, whoever has a need— Yes, you have to make sure it's a legitimate need. You can read the rest of the book of Acts and figure out that that's what they do. But we're we're not going to rely on the world to provide for the needs of our people. 
we are a fellowship of Christians. We are Christ's church. This is what they were doing. They were taking their possessions and doing what they had to do to take care of one another. I think the world would look maybe more like we want as Christians if we started living the way we, we want everyone else to and confessing Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So how did he live? And again, that's not in order to be saved. No, if you understand that you are saved, that you already have heaven itself. This is why these Christians were willing to do this. It really is a sign of being called out. These Christians were living as if they didn't belong to this world. Because they didn't. Right. Because we don't. If we make the confession as the church... Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Then with that, we say, I'm a son and daughter of the living God. When Christ rose, he took me with him already. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians, you've been raised with Christ. They were living not of this world. And that's really how the church is defined, even in the Old Testament, by the way. The word ecclesia in the New Testament is the word for church. It means the gathered ones the called out ones. And if you read the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation, that's the word used in the Old Testament for church. When God gathered his people at Mount Horeb, when God churched his people, it's always been those that have been called out of Egypt, called out of slavery, called out of sin. Here's the Ten Commandments. You should live different because you've been called out of death into eternal life. You know, I was just thinking of a a more secular illustration might be, you know, if, if anyone has ever been around uh, somebody that has been blessed to have survived cancer. Mm-hmm. Many times, particularly if the cancer was very, very rough, many times they become champions of that cause. Oh, yeah. It because their very lives were saved, yeah. and that's a small picture of we as Christians who were brought out of the depths of our sin and granted eternal life that we will never die. We should be champions of Him who did that for us, who called us out of that. How do you not celebrate being cancer free every moment of every day? Right. It changes the way you live. And you're still going to die. Right. Okay, if that's what you do for celebrating cancer, if you are the church, if you truly do know in the depth of your soul, you don't die. Jesus said, before he raised Lazarus, anyone who lives, lives and believes in me will never die. If, How do you not celebrate that? tenfold of anything else that you would be spared from in this life? How do you not give as it has been given to you? And that's really the joy of church. That's why pastors want people in church. It's, I mean, it's not because maybe in some churches they do not where I am a pastor. You don't get paid for the more people that are in there. (laughs) It's not a commission structure. (laughs) So I'm not wanting you to be in church because there's some benefit to me. No, the benefit to me is the same benefit to you. I'm a man. I'm a part of the church. I'm a sinner saved. I want a fellowship with people. 
And I'm really tired of just doing it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're delivering the ultimate result, you know, life forever. Yeah. And when you, I mean, it should really concern us. And I say this with all the love as a pastor. It should concern you if you get tired of hearing you were dead in your trespasses and sins and you deserved hell. But God came here and took it from you. You didn't even ask for it. He put the confession of Christ in your heart as a gift. And now you know what he wants you to do? Celebrate. He wants you to live in that confession. Be his church because you are the church through faith in Christ, who is the son of the living God. Faith carries a lot more joy than being scared or not knowing. Absolutely. And faith is trust, right? And I think that's a large reason why why people maybe don't invest themselves in the church as much as they could because they think, oh, I have to give up other stuff if I'm going to be in the church three days a week. Uh, the sports, the curriculum activities, the this, the that, uh, I have to give that up. Well, yeah, you could think of it that way, or you could just trust that God has something better for you. Faith is trust, and that's expressed not just to God, but with his people. You know, one of the things that I I can see a question uh, from listeners out there might be, well, h- how do I find a church? And we did an episode. Two uh, of them. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, no. A couple of them. Uh, quite a while ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, we do, if you look back on our archives, which are available on our website, uh, we, you know, we talked about that very thing, you know, because choosing a church, you want to make sure that that church has its priorities in place, and that priority has to be grounded solidly in, in the Word. We, we have such a consumer mentality in America that we pick a church because of what we get. Okay, yeah, that's half of it. If you've learned anything from this episode, if you've learned anything from reading your Bible, the other 50% that God wants to give you from his church comes from what you invest yourself in. So it's not just, what's this church going to do for me? Well, it's going to give, hopefully, if it's a Christian church, it's going to give you the message you expect, but you're also looking for a fellowship to invest yourself in, a church to abide in the Word of God with, because in that fellowship is a whole other world that God wants to give to you, even now, even in this broken, sinful, often depressing world that we have. God comes to us, as he always has, through his called-out people through his church. And just for the listeners, if you are in the Omaha area and you don't have a church that you regularly attend, uh, we would love to invite you to St. Mark Lutheran Church on 90th and Blonda. Uh, the, the type of uh, messages you're hearing on this show, you're going to get that and more uh, in, in, in our church. Yeah, doors are open. Come on in. All right. See you soon. We pray our time together in God's Word has been a blessing to you and to your faith in Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior of the world. 
If you enjoy listening to our program, we would love to hear from you. Go to eternalconnectionradio.com. To find our full episode archive, contact us, let us know you enjoy the show, or ask a question that Pastor Jay will answer on the air. God bless all of you. We look forward to connecting with you again next Sunday on The Eternal Connection.